Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So that was my main message was how to develop his leadership skills, which I find are, are, are natural, are there, and uh, the game, I, I believe, on the ice will follow. That was Ralph Kruger talking about Jack Eichel from his press conference with the Buffalo media earlier this morning. Kruger also added that he is moving forward under the assumption that Jeff Skinner will be a Buffalo Sabre. GM Jason Botcherill also met with the media, and you can hear from both Kruger and Botcherill on demand over on WGR550.com. This Friday is Federal Meets Friday on WGR. Tweet at WGR550 using the hashtag Federal Meets Friday for your chance to win a $50 gift certificate for Federal Meats just in time for your Father's Day cookout. After all, grilling season is Federal Meats season from juicy burgers, delicious steaks, and kebabs. Federal Meats is your one-stop shop for all your grilling needs. To the NBA Finals, it's Game 3 tonight between the Raptors and the Warriors. Series is tied one game apiece, though the Warriors will be without Kevin Durant and potentially Klay Thompson, who is questionable with a hamstring strain. Tip-off from Oracle Arena is set for 9 p.m. You can hear the action on ESPN 1520 after tonight's Bisons games. Speaking of the Bisons, they're hosting the Rail Riders for a single admission doubleheader at Salem Field right now. Game 1 just got underway at 535 you can hear the early action over on ESPN 1520. And in football, the NFL released their preseason schedule today. The Bills play the Colts, Panthers, Lions, and Vikings all at 7 p.m., except for Week 3 against Detroit, which is an 8 o'clock start. Elsewhere, the league announced that on August 22nd, the Packers and Raiders will play a preseason game up in Winnipeg, marking the first NFL game of any kind to be played in Canada since the Bills played the Falcons in Toronto in 2013. Canalside's biggest concert of the summer, Kerfuffle, is two weeks from this Friday with Walk the Moon, the Head and the Heart, and Catfish and the Bottle Men headlining the lineup. Tickets are available at AlternativeBuffalo.com. For WGR, I'm Kyle Powell. Remember that it's easy to listen to WGR anytime or anywhere. Just ask your smart speaker to play WGR 550. Oh, you didn't know? Better call somebody! the best of WGR. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, WGR proudly brings to you its WWF Tag Team Champion of the World, the Road Dog, Ryan Gates, the Bay, the New Age Time to relax and rewind. If you're not down with that, we got two words for you. Nightcap. On WGR Sports Radio 550. That's one word. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a different word. So you hear that voice, and generally what happens when you hear that voice is you are going to be uh, filled with lots of corporate propaganda. Yeah, I, I got to check my stocks. Uh, you know, the the stock market's been taking a real big hit lately because of all those trade tariffs that President Trump is trying to institute across the United States of America. Well, not even across the United States of America, on the borders of the United States of America. Does that have anything to do with Apple stock being down today? I, I don't know, probably. 
I saw that. I was running this morning, and I had CNBC is always on the TV right in front of me because I have a that specific definite, treadmill I always go to. That's a definite running channel. CNBC. CNBC. Yeah, gotta love running to CNBC. It gets me pumped up, well, jacked up every morning. Well, think about it. Really, all you need is something to look at, and I can either look at Stephen A. Smith's face saying something that I'm sure I know, like what he's yelling about something. Or, you know, you get those little stats going across the line. Like, you see the stocks. Like, oh, Apple stock's down today. Amazon is like $500 a share. Um, it's actually probably even more than that. That's that's pretty much what my uh, my running morning is. Mm, you check the stocks every morning. You might be yeah. more corporate than I am then. I'm getting there. You might be more corporate than I am because I, I honestly, I don't know. I think plastics come from Mexico, and there's a lot of plastics in uh, Apple products. So is, maybe is that, that's is that what it is? And they're afraid of the the pricing mm. wars and tariffs and I don't. Well, we've explored a lot of things already, and we've only been on the air for about a minute and a half. So Ryan Gates is in studio with me. Uh, Mike Jafari is here. Bit of a throwback. Yeah, this is a Mike Jafari. It's a Wednesday. bunch of things. It's a Wednesday Friends Day. It's a Mike Jafari Wednesday. Wednesday Ryan's Wednesday. here. About an uh, everything one came year. together. I mean, the rain came, canceled Little League, and Ryan's here, and boom. Is that why you're able to make it? Yeah, canceled Little League. The one funny thing about it, you, you brought up uh, Wednesday Friends Day. Pete Cargis used to be a part. He was the original member of Wednesday Friends Day, joining me on the nightcap. And uh, I come to find out today, first time I visited the studios in, I don't know, probably a solid two to three months. Every once in a while, I'll hop in here with Nate on a Saturday to, you know, to talk about things. Usually Nate talks usually, about sports. I was say, usually I just watch Nate yell for about two hours and then yeah, I usually, chime in once in a while. Usually Nate talks about sports and I try to throw in whatever possible nonsense I can to get Nate off track from sports. And then you'll have six guests on to talk about other sports and then I'll be there for the general nonsense. Anyways, first time I've been back in the studio for a while, I go and I, I'm like, oh, I wonder if I got any mail in the mailbox. Notice I've been replaced by Kyle Powell. So um, I'm not upset about it. I probably well, don't you know, get any mail. Here. He actually he legitimately works here. works here. I'm still technically employee. My little key fob thing still works. But for now, I noticed that I was replaced. But Pete Carr just remains. And this is a grave injustice, folks. This is a grave injustice that Pete Carr just remains and I am replaced. He has not stepped foot in this studio for over a year. But technically, he has seniority, does he not? He does have seniority. So he, he does have he that, here, that going for him. He did work here longer than me, so I, I don't know. There's even a blank spot in the mailboxes. <laughs> they don't, they well, don't put the Kyle Powell there. I think that's for the timesheets. You, know, you got to reserve one for the timesheets too. Um, you're, you might have a mailbox over in uh, 1520, actually. I might have reckoned it. Like your oh. label went somewhere. Probably no. in the trash. Yeah, I was going to say the trash. So it's not just me, Mike, and Ryan tonight. Nate Geary's going to jump on, talk some NBA in about 20 minutes. We'll hear from Ralph Kruger later on in the show. He spoke for a long time this morning and a lot of stuff. You've listened to Ralph Kruger talk at all? Uh, I listened to part of his like phone conversation that he has. I have not been able to listen to any of his conversation today because he's talked while I was at yeah. work. and then yeah, You'll, you'll I, get this. He, he just comes off to me as such a smart guy and like a fun listen. Like everything he says to me is interesting. And that part of that is, you know, where he's been, like soccer uh, chairman, World Economic Forum, um, his business degree. Like he's been, he's like the Dosecki's guy for hockey. And it seems like that comes out a lot when he's talking. Like every time he's seeing something, oh, I like the sound of that. Like he's actually thought provoking. And, you know, no offense to the coaches that have been here, but not the, not the uh, most exciting human beings on the planet for sure. And as somebody that, you know, in this job, we got to listen to these guys talk pretty much every day. Sometimes we've got to cut up their audio, which takes a while. And then you really have to listen to what they're saying. 
this guy, I'm so glad that he's the coach just because listening to him is interesting. Yeah, I, I do recall. I think that's part of the reason why I was so biased towards Tim Murray when he was working oh, yeah. here as GM because he was actually listen, interesting to listen to as opposed to uh, even Jason Bottrell. Like, no offense to the guy. I think he's gotten better at his media he's appearances. Not quite, like, Dar- Darcy Regeer was pretty uh, dry. Yeah, just, very dry. So he's not quite Darcy Regeer, I would say, but he's definitely no, no Tim Murray. And for the most part, you don't get people like Tim Murray in sports because – they say wild things that normally no one else would say, like Matt Molson was out of shape when he didn't say that to Matt Molson's face, and Matt Molson listens to that on the radio as opposed <laughs> to getting that feedback straight to his face. So that's why normally those people tend to not say much, but I haven't had a chance to, to listen to him too much. Um, but just the the hire itself, I, I'm just glad that it was... Something different? Yeah, something yeah. different. It wasn't going to be someone that we heard of before. Um, he, he's coached before in the league, but it was very brief. And I, I'm just excited for like the, the idea of him and what I've heard about him so far. And it's mostly come from interviews that you guys have had here on sure. WGR. Um, like the relentless positivity and things like that. And the fact that he does have interests outside of sports. And maybe he could connect with players other than just like, oh, he's my hockey coach. And connect with them as human beings and build relationships with people. As opposed to maybe having this one-way relationship as just a coach. Um, I think that'll be that'll be good for some of the players. We'll see what the results bring, though. We'll see what the results bring. So we're going to hear from Kruger probably in hour number two. So if you missed that, stay tuned for that. Or if you don't want to wait, uh, you can always go on our website. Check it out there, WGR550.com. Um, we're going to get into the Sabres and the Bills in a little bit. You're here for a specific reason, though. Yes. We got the 11-day power play coming up, year number two. When you're gonna are we try playing? to you're gonna try to replicate that to, that coast to coast toe drag goal you scored last year. Yeah, the the no slow way he's motion, gonna replicate it, but the slow motion toast to toast, toast to toast, toast to toast, coast to coast. So this year it might be toast to toast, but uh, no way I replicate that because uh, I have not skated and. Hmm. Uh, probably, I don't know, last time I skated was with Mike. That was over a month ago. Before that, uh, We're going to have to get on the ice. Yeah, we need to get on the See, ice. Now, last year, before the 11-day power play, um, we had, what, three, four, three, four skates? Maybe five? Three I think four. I think it was close to, like, six, seven. Okay. It was a lot. Because we did it every Sunday for a while. Alan, Alan Davis, our program director, would set him up. He couldn't play, but he, he would set him up, get everybody there, get everyone skating, and for a while it was like an hour and a half we would skate for, and then he actually organized a four-hour skate for us to participate in. Right. So this year, haven't had that yet, and uh, I'm nursing a bum ankle, still still hurt from months ago. I've come to find out that at age 27, you don't bounce back the same way you used to, and my ankle is still <laughs> swollen from an injury from four months ago. So um, I'm I'm still working on that. But right, do you, when are we playing? Do week you know to week? Are you week to week? I think, no, I think we're um, playing. I think we're gonna be on the ice in a couple weeks. June 22nd, maybe I've heard. That's been the reported date. June 20. I, I thought it started like July 5th. Well, the tournament starts or the game starts July fifth. Oh, we're skating oh, on June twenty second. That's why I meant. Oh, you wanted like, to know when? What time we were skating? Uh, at our like four I have hour no clue. Block. Okay, I have no clue. I'm kind of hoping it's like a two to th- two to six a.m. or what? I hope not. Yeah. I can no longer operate in those hours. Oh, you're gonna you can take the day off. Take the day off. Oh, I'm I'm going to take the day okay. off. Hey, you'll be fine then. I get paid time off now. It's mm. great. I'm I'm afforded that luxury as a corporate man. Did so, Derek tell you that um, me and him have back-to-back 11-day power plays? 
Ah, uh, yes. Do. So Derek Kramer here at the station, Mike Jafari, they're both going to be playing twice. I think maybe Pat Malacaro is playing twice, too. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you guys are going to be playing eight hours. 6 a.m. the next day, actually. That's crazy. All right, let's get into the uh, – I want to get into the Sabres a little bit more. We talked a little bit briefly about Ralph Kruger. Hold on, we didn't even talk about what I'm actually oh, yeah, here right. for. Duh, we just I, blow I past that because <laughs> I can naturally go seven <laughs> different ways before getting to what I actually yeah, t- get to. Tell so, everybody why you're here. Um, we are holding an 11-day power play fundraiser. It's going to be at the Third Warders Club in North Tonawanda. That's for people who aren't from the area, 147 12th Avenue. Um, I'm not really a North Towns guy, so I honestly am not really familiar with it either. Uh, but there's going to be gym and we're going to be in there there's going to be beer you pay twenty dollars and you're going to be able to get in there's going to be beer we haven't decided our, our lineup yet uh, i would like to i would like to throw in something different than just your your typical yeah, you just need some craft beers yeah some craft, some craft beers, beers. I, I would like to have maybe one keg of you know your normal labat product probably and then maybe uh, another keg of uh, a different product Probably sure. Hayburner, if I had to hazard a guess, would be the, the guess I'm, that I would, good with that. would choose personally. Uh, but it's going to be next Friday, June 14th, 6 to 10 p.m. And I actually have two free tickets to the event. So there's going to be beer, food provided by Fat Man's Pizzeria up in North Tonawanda. Uh, they were gracious enough to give us some raffle prizes. They'll be providing the food there, Fat Man's Pizzeria. And then you can also hit me up on Twitter right now. It's at corporate underscore gates. I've got two free tickets to the event. My grandma gave me $40, but believe it or not, she does not want to travel from North Collins to North Tonawanda for a $20 beer and pizza. So she's mm. like, yeah, here's $40. That is quite a drive. That's quite a drive. It is quite a drive. Here's $40. Uh, get two, two tickets away to, to someone. They might come in. Maybe they'll buy some 50-50 tickets. There's going to be raffles there as well. So maybe they'll buy some raffle tickets and you could uh, raise some more money that way. So, courtesy of Grandma Romano, as my mom's mother, you can get two free tickets to an 11-day power play fundraiser next Friday, June 14th, 6 to 10 p.m. in North Tonawanda. Just tweet at me right now, at corporate underscore Gates. It's the first person. Do not call you could the contest tweet out the, line. You, you could tweet out the details, too. I will tweet out the that's, details. That's probably that, – I know you haven't been on social media for a, a long time. I just retweeted but, um, you for the first time. It's my first action in weeks. All right. I probably only have 25 tweets since last year. I've gone silent. Yeah, you've you've been you've been off the grid. I've been thinking about making a comeback, and then I realized that I work like fifty five hours a week, and I'm mm. tired a lot. Yeah, like I consume six to eight hundred milligrams of caffeine every single day just to survive. So, how much of that that time of your free time then are you actually using keeping up on the Sabers and Bills at this point? Mm. Not much. Yeah, no, not much. No. You're watching the games though. What I games? assume the the games. Oh, like uh, Sabers games? Yeah, and the Bills games. Oh, yeah, when they're on, I mean the Bills. I I was watching the Bills games all season. The Sabres, I was watching for the majority of the season until probably the last month when I really stopped caring. And then, you know, I'm now the the classic fan who who isn't invested. You're the casual fan. I'm the casual fan now. I've turned into the casual fan. So I don't know, like I. But you've watched the you watch the Bills games this season. Yeah, I watch the Bills games. You know that everywhere you go, especially every time you're on the air, like you're just gonna get this question. Part of the way that you left was always going to attach yourself to Josh Allen. Yes. And every time you gotta know, like, d- d- does that does that happen to you a lot? Like if if you, people usually, are meeting you for the first time, you're like, oh, how about Allen, eh? Yeah, you get that, that a lot. That happens. If they recognize my dumb voice, they will ask me, like, oh, so what do you think about Josh Allen now? Do you still think he sucks? <laughs> and I'm like, usually 
don't know. He seems like a, a pretty cool guy, honestly. So I like his personality. To me, he seems like the kind of guy that I could get down with. You watch him Chugging at that. A beer at the Bison right, game. exactly. He He's, broke an aluminum bat, by the way. That's, that's impressive. impressive. That's that is so impressive. very impressive. So I, I think about it like that. Is this a guy? And I thought that from the moment he got drafted and he started talking as a guy that I could very well see myself getting along with on like a personality level. So for that reason, I've always kind of liked him. And then the beginning of the season, he was pretty much what I expected. I thought he got better at the end of the season, definitely, and he showed more of that promise. Until he starts making more plays strictly from the pocket, though, I still think he's pretty much what I expected at this point. But he's only going into the second year. He's got more weapons coming around him. He's so. certainly more mobile than I thought he was going to be. I eventually did get around to like where you were at, which was just it just didn't want any part of it. Um, but like I, I did come around on him a lot last season. But like 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 you said, I'm not really sold on him as the franchise quarterback yet. I'm super optimistic after one season, but. You just got to rewind to like what were what was the reason that you drafted him in the first place? What was the reason that you moved on from Tyrod Taylor in the first place to get better at that position, to get a guy that was capable of making every throw? And he is capable of making every throw, but he even rookie year, I think even his biggest fan would have to admit he didn't do it on a consistent basis. And the one thing that you know, Tyrod, the one thing Tyrod did like great and there wasn't a lot of those things, but the one thing he did great was rushing the football as a quarterback. And Allen did give you that last year, but like I said, he didn't really give you a whole lot more in the pass game. So to me, he's got big steps to go as a passer because otherwise we're kind of talking about some of the similar stuff that Tyrod Taylor gave us, and that's it. Exactly, and the way that I look at it is, okay, what was Josh Allen averaging in passing yards per game? Last season, I don't have it in front of me. I got 172. 172, isn't that right around what Tyrod was doing when he Probably. was Bills quarterback? And that was what we were looking for from the next Bills quarterback. And why yeah. you trade up twice to go get Josh Allen is that you're looking for a quarterback that's going to be, I don't know, what's around 4,000 passing yards a season, like 22. Or, so like 220 me, yards, 220, game, right? 220 more, yards, yeah. I think, is what it's around. That's about what Trubisky was last year. Yeah. So I think that's what you're looking for. You're looking for at least a guy who's going to be above 200. And I know that people. Tyrod was 201 for his Bills career. For his Bills career, for he was his Bills career, he was 201. I think you you would want a little bit more than that. Yeah. So you're because looking... 201, like that's giving you like low 3,000. So maybe it is a little higher than 220. Maybe it's like 250. So you're looking for around a 4,000-yard passer. I yeah, think consistent. Least. Consistently you want that kind of guy. So I'm still not expecting that necessarily of him this season moving forward with him to be around that kind of pace. But you, you do want to see that, that next step where it's, okay, he's throwing more touchdowns because last year he didn't have a ton of touchdowns. He had a pretty equal touchdown-interception ratio. Yeah. You're going to be looking for that touchdown-interception ratio to maybe be 2-1 to one as opposed to, to relatively equal even that's one thing I'd like to see being a little less careless with the football and then one of the things with with Tyrod that we were always so critical of was he would maybe not necessarily give up on a play but maybe leave the leave the pocket a little bit too early when there was a play to be made there I don't think Josh Allen's afraid to stand in the pocket and take a hit I don't think that no, that's the not. case at all I think he I mean, he's running over linebackers when he not not jumping over him sometimes but also like running over him when he runs himself yeah so I don't think he's afraid to to take that hit it's more so 
staying in there and maybe waiting that extra second for when that receiver gets open, taking that hit. There was that one throw last year where he got smoked Jacksonville, as yeah. he was making that throw. Yes, and those are the – not that you want to see those plays all the time, obviously, but those are the throws that you do want to see him make because he is 6'5 and can see over the line and make right. those types of throws well, with strictly his arm strength. That's the thing. Like I think you don't – like like you said, you don't always want to see that throw every time. Like you don't want to take a deep shot every play. But I think he's certainly going to be doing it more than other quarterbacks. Like that's just his style. It's just hey, my arm is so big that I can throw it seventy yards over your cornerbacks. I'm going to do that a lot and a lot more than other quarterbacks. So I think that's a big reason why the completion percentage is always going to be pretty low for him. Not just because he is inaccurate at this point, but he just throws so many deep passes. That that's just not going to be there. So that's a bit of an excuse for that, but like I think it's a good reason for why his number will be around there. The, the other thing, though, that you did bring up is, and this is why I'm more intrigued on him than maybe his numbers and his style of play was last year. He kind of had to run out of necessity. Yeah, They could not block for him. And this year, like I'm not sold that the offensive line is going to be better, but it really can't be worse than it was last season. So, I think I'm sold it'll be better. Yeah, it'll be at least just better. I'm not sure how good it'll be, but it'll be better. Strictly with the amount of just players with legitimate NFL experience, and that doesn't necessarily mean that these guys are good because mm-hmm. Russell Bodine had a lot of NFL experience, and he definitely yeah, wasn't good. Not good. But people Still were saying team. that who watched him play in Cincinnati that he wasn't good before he even came to the Bills. Right. Um, but Which is funny because now we're doing – we're. I, I, that's funny you brought that up because I was getting into it with someone on Twitter last week on that, that – we basically, or at least I did, we listened to those Bengals fans and those Bengals writers said, hey, Bodine's not that good. Don't just say, look at him and say, oh, he's started 48 games in the league. Oh, he must be pretty decent. He's like, no, he's not good. And on the flip around, they signed John Miller. And I remember seeing like Bengal fans and Bengals writers like, oh, he started 30-some games for the Bills. I'm like... This is the complete same situation. He well, started those games, but he's really not that good. And the Bills' offensive line was terrible. So if you're a starter on a really bad offensive line, does that mean you're that good? No, it doesn't. But just the strictly the the amount of players, and I think it's it overstated sometimes, like the competition point, but the fact that they're going to have so many guys there that I think eventually there are going to be guys who maybe took it a little bit more seriously in the offseason to make themselves better because they realized that there was going to be a, a lot of competition there. Maybe it's a guy like Wyatt Teller, for instance, who is a rookie last season, starts some games towards the end of the season, and then sees the Bills literally bring in a ton of players to compete with him. So maybe he takes his training more seriously in the offseason because he sees the writing on the wall of, okay, they weren't sold on my performance, so I'm going to have to train that much harder in order to secure a starting spot and become a regular NFL starting player. So I guess that's what I'm kind of hoping for. I can't think it can be worse. Um. (laughs) One one last thing on uh, Allen before we get to a break here. Would you take Mitch Trubisky's season last year for him? Like, where where are your expectations at him at this point? Because that that's a comparable that he's been getting a lot. Is hey, can he be what Trubisky was last year, which was you know pretty good? Like, and hit that offense thirty two hundred yards passing, twenty four touchdowns, twelve picks, and then he's athletic. Like Allen, I think would want to give you more in the rushing, but yeah, I mean, Trubisky gave you four hundred yards and three touchdowns. Like, is that a high enough bar, you think, for him? I two. think it's a solid next step because I I don't think they're for I, I try to look at the weapons that are around them too, and if they're 
comparable. Like, what, what was Trey Burton really at tight end? Like, he was, yeah, we don't really have it. Don't really have you it. You hope Dawson Knox is, but you can't just count on a third-round rookie to do it. Right, and then you're looking at, okay, Allen Robinson, he was good for one season that came off an injury and was never really that guy last year. Receiver, and, I think they can be comparable. Yeah, where it's, it's a yeah. bunch of kind of question marks and unknowns at receiver. I think the Bills have more actually solid guys at receiver who have been okay. productive in the NFL and Cole Beasley and John Brown as opposed to, I mean, they got Taylor Gabriel. I mean, who else is over there? I mean, Anthony, Robinson, Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller. Is Kevin White still on that team? He was last year. I think he's on Arizona now, but he oh, was last year. Okay, so I don't know. I I think that it's probably pretty similar in terms of – there's going to be those ups and downs because Trubisky wasn't great every single game by any means. He had his rough games, certainly, and I think you're still going to get that out of Allen. So I still think there's going to be a lot of that up and down. When it comes down to it, Trubisky was 3,200 yards in 14 games. So if you divide that, it's probably another few hundred yards. So maybe it's around 3,600 yards. I think that I would be satisfied with that out of Josh Allen. For year two, he gets to actually be in a system for an entire offseason. He's got some better players around him, both on the offensive line and at receiver. Hell, even at running back, he's got some better players around him. Pretty much all around him, he's got better players. So I would say that that's a, a solid next step, but I would still be going into year three. Like I need to see that shining star moment where he's going to be a top 10 quarterback in the league as opposed to maybe just one of the guys. Right. You been paying attention to the NBA Finals at all? No. No? Well, that's good because we're bringing on Nate Geary in after this break, and uh, he has been paying attention to the NBA Finals. You, you're you familiar with Drake, with Drake, though, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am that familiar is going with to come Drake. Up. That is going to come up. I, I, did re- I did notice, or I was told at least, um, that he wore an armband over his tattoo that he had sharpshooters, and... and it was like a... Curry and Clay tattoo? Durant. Oh, Curry and Durant. Curry and yeah. Durant. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's kind of funny. <laughs> that is. Um, and he wore his, uh, oh, what was the jersey? He wore Del Curry's yeah, Raptors Del Curry's jersey. throwback yeah. Raptors jersey. We'll get into that cool. and more on the NBA Finals uh, after this break. Nate Geary is going to join us. Jody Biasi, Ryan Gates in studio, Mike Jafari behind the board tonight for a return of Mike Jafari Wednesdays here Love on WGR. Yeah, I mean to have to have a world-class defenseman of that caliber in your in your lineup is always exciting as a coach. And it's for Rasmus coming into his second season, there'll be be a lot more comfort, I think, with the process. Everything seemed to go maybe a little easy at the start of last year, and then uh, the challenges of the second half of the season allowed him to grow. And as we all know, adversity is a good thing if you use it properly. That uh, you know, winners are always born in in difficult times, depending on how you react. Ralph Kruger, the new Sabres coach. He was in Buffalo for, well, I shouldn't say the first time. First time as Sabres coach, at least. How do you, how do you, how do you feel about the fact that he went around to different bars and, and talked to Sabre fans? I think that I love it. is incredible. And one of the greatest moves that I have ever heard. You go, you're going to be, you realize that you're probably going to be moving. I, I guess, like, when did he do that? 
is it was during the playoffs at some point. I think the first round, probably yeah, around that time. It was time. after his interview, which I think he said was the beginning of April, so probably like the first couple weeks of April, right, right after the season. Okay, after the regular season. So you you realize that you're potentially moving to a new city, so you kind of get a, a taste for the city by literally just walking around the city and going to different establishments that are there, getting a feel for the city that way. He said he was walking around the city like eight hours a day, just walking, which is awesome, and then just hopping into different bars and kind of picking the brains of the people that live there you think bars is a good way to like to kind of get a sense of what city you're moving to in buffalo yes in I buffalo do. yeah in buffalo yes i do hmm. because we love going to the bars and like yeah. I, I i don't know when you talk to the the sabers fan or the general hockey fan i guess that's what i would have been that's more a dangerous worried game, about you don't, you don't know was, what fan you're gonna get yeah ralph Kruger goes up to a sabers fan and be like oh hey what do you what do you think about the sabers ah they suck <sighs> they're a train wreck like what? What? What good answer could he have gotten out there besides like, oh my god, I love this team so much, but they really suck. I think that's probably maybe what sold them was like, wow, the the fans at least they're passionate. So if I can make them good, these fans will support the hell out of me. Nate Geary's on the Westford Hotline. Nate, if on April 10th you were out at a bar and some random stranger from out of town asked you about the Sabers, happened to be Ralph Kruger, you would have told him what? Uh. I would have asked him to kindly move along more than likely. Like, don't, like, don't, don't come in here trying to ruin my good, like this delicious beer by bringing up the Sabres. Like, why, why don't you just move along, sir? Like that, that would probably be my reaction. I don't think that's a bad reaction to have. Yeah. But a lot of people would have definitely given that. Uh, Nate's here to talk some basketball. Maybe we'll, we'll squeeze in some football along the way as well. Um, Nate Raptors Warriors it's one to one I don't think we've talked about the NBA on the air at least since probably the was it the conference beginning of the conference finals um, because Milwaukee was still playing um, are you at all surprised that we've reached this point since we last talked where the Raptors are tied 1-1 with the Warriors and like def- have a legitimate shot at winning the championship uh, I'm surprised that it's not 2 nothing Raptors I mean they really, 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 really screwed the pooch um, in game two, going 0 for 15 in the third quarter, and just coming out and looking absolutely flat with, you know, a banged up Clay Thompson, no Kevin Durant, uh, Kayvon Looney out of the game. Like, you know, Toronto really squandered what I thought was maybe the way for them to just go ahead and sweep that series. But now, and, and, and I think maybe the interesting way to look at this, I think you can look at them squandering that game two, two ways. You could look at it as, okay, well, the series is tied going back to Oakland now. It's not looking that great for Toronto. Or you can say, yes, they, they ended up losing game two to the Warriors, who are grossly, grossly outmanned right now, considering all the great players that are either banged up, injured, and can't play, or, you know, just at this point, barely able to play, which is what we're talking about potentially with Clay Thompson and, and sort of that, that hamstring strain that he's got going on. But, like, you could look at it as they squandered it away, or you could look at it as, well, yeah, they went 0 for 15. How many times are they going to start a quarter or really even go in a, in the stretch of a game for the rest of the finals where they go 0 for 15 from the field? So uh, you could look at it from the two ways and say, okay, I'm still feeling pretty good about, uh, about Toronto's chances, or you could look at it from the other way and say, yeah, that was their opportunity to get up 2 nothing on a team that is really pretty used to that, that sort of situation where they either need to play from behind or – People really don't like Golden State, right? So everybody mostly hates Golden State. So they're used to sort of being this hated. And, and for the first time, maybe they're kind of an underdog right now, which I, 
I don't know why they need any more chips on their shoulders, but but here we are. Hey, Nate, uh, so the, the Bills have been at OTAs for the, the past few weeks, and there's been a lot of praise for Josh Allen throughout OTAs. I mean, from, from you, like you, you played some football and you were a quarterback. Yeah. Like, What can you really learn from practices like OTAs where he's getting a lot of praise, but what can you really take away as a spectator? I mean, we, didn't we, we've known this for a while that Josh Allen looks tremendous in shorts. Yeah, like, good point. I mean, that, that guy in a pair of shorts is, 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 is something to be seen, right? But at the same time, I made a comment maybe right at the start of camp that, you know, Josh Allen's probably the one quarterback you could look at as a second-year quarterback and say, I think he's well ahead of schedule. And a lot of people are like, whoa, 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 Baker this and, and Darnold that. And I said, yeah, I, I didn't say anything about him being better than those players. But Josh Allen is the only quarterback going into his second season that doesn't have a, doesn't have a head coaching change, doesn't have a GM change, or doesn't have an offensive coordinator change. You look at Baker Mayfield, they switched halfway through the season. There's no way that they put Freddie Kitchen's offense in during week 10 or week 12 whenever they ended up firing Hugh Jackson. So all the other quarterbacks, that the second-year quarterbacks, are all really kind of restarting or retooling um, and, and learning new offenses going into this year. Josh Allen, he's ahead of the, he's ahead of schedule in terms of his ability right now to understand what it is Brian Dable wants to do, how he wants to do it, and why he wants to do it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it, it says something to me that there was a quote, or maybe not even a quote, it was just a report that Brian Dable was, was allowing periods of 11-on-11 for Josh Allen to call his own plays. And, and I think that, that may be nothing to everyone else, right? But to me, that says something because – you know, I, I know at even in the high school and college level, um, having having to trust in your quarterback to just take away the play calling, um, even though it's just in practice, um, what that tells me is the offensive coordinator and that offensive staff has a lot of trust in what Josh Allen is seeing, but maybe more so what he's able to put guys in the right position and put the offense in the right position. So um, I, I think in terms of right now, the, there's a lot of this is overreaction season. I mean, you know, the, the best time to overreact is June. Um, but I definitely like sort of the, the course that he's on. And, and, and to be quite frank, I mean, I, I, I think this is an offense that really suits everything that Josh Allen has and sort of boasts in his repertoire, right? I mean, he's, maybe he has the best iron in football. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like where they're at. I just, you know, I'm definitely not ready to overreact just yet. So there was rumors yesterday that Kawhi Leonard uh, has – purchase an apartment or property in Toronto and that's fueling more and more that he might stay there I saw today odd shark listed uh one casino or one site that had him as the favorite or Toronto's the favorite to keep him uh after into next year are we at a point where it's really up in the air between Kawhi staying and going like if you had to if you were a betting man today are you picking the Raptors or are you taking the field yeah, you know, like I don't think anybody knows anything about Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi Leonard is one thing, he is the, the international man of mystery. Like nobody really knows what's up with Kawhi. Not even his teammates. I'm sure not even Kawhi's parents know what Kawhi wants to do, what he does during the day. He just sort of shows up and plays elite-level basketball. Um, but if I were a betting man today and I were to put money on it, I'm taking the field all day. Um, I, you know, what Toronto has been able to do this year, um, is Toronto even in the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard? Um, and, and I argue, no, they're not likely in the playoffs with Kawhi Leonard without Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, when you are 90% of your team, and I, and I think part of what he's seeing is, 
you know, uh, I, I, listen, Siakam's a nice player. Um, he absolutely went bonkers game one, but that's not a player that's scoring 25-plus a night. Kyle Lowry's Kyle Lowry. Maybe one of the most, I, I don't want to call him overrated, but just a guy that night in, night out, night out is not a 20, you know, 20 point kind of assist guy. He's not even really a 15-point tennis assist guy that you could count on consistently. Really, to me, what it comes down to is if it was just the city and just where he wanted to play, I think Toronto would have a really, really good chance at locking him up long-term. The problem is, is they don't really have another really good player, and they don't really have the money to go out and spend to go get a Jimmy Butler or go get, I don't know, Chris Paul, right? He's potentially in the trade block. So they don't really have the resources to, to put a sort of team that like the Clippers who are out there trying to purchase. So I, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, Kawhi Leonard suing Nike, right? And he's suing yep. Nike over the, the rights to his logo that he created himself. And one of the things that I was watching on PTI last night is the LA Clippers have gone out and tried to purchase the logo from Nike to use as a pitch to him to say, we've got your logo, why don't you come to L.A. and play for the Clippers? Like, that's the level of recruiting that's happening. If the Clippers don't get them, uh, the Lakers are going to be right there. The Knicks are going to have a lot of money to throw around and potentially another superstar or two that they can pair with uh, with Kawhi Leonard. The problem to me just is the future outlook of Toronto and just really the base core of their players isn't really good enough that I think Kawhi is going to say, if I have a bad night, we don't have we don't even have a fighting chance, and that's kind of where they are right now. So, Nate, uh, at the beginning of that question, Joe asked if you were a betting man. I've got a question: Are you a betting man? Uh, it depends on what it is. Like, I'll bet on Notre Dame football, you know, relentlessly and foolishly. But um, outside of that, you know, not really a betting. No. You you bet on teams that you like. I I find that to be absurd. You bet on teams that you, yeah. you don't care about. And, and really, I, what it is, too, is I wait for Notre Dame to get to the most important moment of this season, and then I put, like, you know, a paycheck and a half up on it. So and it's double the disappointment. Right. Yeah. right. Wouldn't, wouldn't, the, wouldn't the thought process be to put it on the other team so that you're at least somewhat happy either way? No, no, no. Um, I don't like this know, logic. Really what it comes down to is it's not the logic. Line. It's, yeah, that, that, I, I'm, I'm not a logic guy. I'm more of a, you know... I like to just shoot from the hip kind of guy. And my whole thought process is, you know, if they lose and I also lose $1,000, you know, like I lost on my birthday this year, I lost $2,500 on that uh, Notre Dame-Clemson game. Uh, and it was my birthday. So how aggressively did you drink after realizing that you had lost $2,500? Now it's another reason you could do it. It's your birthday. You, the Notre Dame loses, you lose $2,500. Now you have even more excuses to forget everything that ever happened that night. Uh, That's correct. Right. So it's really just a a, a better way for me to really clear the mind, you know? Um, No, but you know, in terms of like, like how I bet or who I look to bet, yeah, you know, like, I play fantasy football and I'm pretty decent at that. Otherwise, like, I try to stay away from betting because I'm just not very good at it. More so, though, as I have a lot of degenerate friends spend almost their entire paychecks betting. You know, oh, they've nice. got a bookie. I know, is that, that, can I say that on the end? Can I say that they have a bookie? Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's too late now. Ugh. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know the just rules. Just don't, don't say the their names. I can't say about bookies. But First yeah, and last names. names. I want them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a guy. If you got a guy. If you need a guy, I got a guy. 
Let, let's say let, let's say Kevin Durant plays in Game Four. Clay Thompson plays tonight. No Kevon Looney, uh, and the Warriors stay healthy. Otherwise, who wins the series? Yeah, I'm going to Warriors in five or six. Whew. You've got Kevin Durant back. Um, and in well, that would mean if you Thompson, say if you mean five, that, that that means you think they're winning tonight without him and a banged up Clay Thompson. Yeah, that's right. And and, and to be honest, you know, I, like if Clay Thompson's playing at eighty percent tonight, um, I, I think that in Oakland that. It, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, at the end of the day, Steph Curry right now is the finals MVP. Um, he's playing at really just kind of an unbelievable uh, unbelievable level. He's the first non-30-point game in the last eight outings last game for, for Steph Curry, and they still win. And really, they just start relying on DeMarcus Cousins. And to me, that's the X factor. There are very few teams whose fourth-best player is as good as DeMarcus Cousins and is as fresh as DeMarcus Cousins coming into this series, right? So, like, DeMarcus Cousins hasn't really played an entire season. Um, He comes in, plays one game, gets injured, and doesn't play again. And and what I really love about DeMarcus Cousins is if I'm I'm the Warriors and, you know, Kevin Durant's leaving, he's not coming back to Golden State. The one guy that I'm thinking that I want back is DeMarcus Cousins because he totally changes the way that they play. And, And they play a better defensive game with DeMarcus Cousins in the game. And I really love how DeMarcus Cousins has basically turned into a point forward when he's out there. Like, that's a guy that could go out there and get you 17 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists, and you're feeling really good about that game. Not only that, but you've got a guy in the middle of the court now in DeMarcus Cousins who, listen, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins is probably not even close to playing his best basketball right now. So I think he gets better every night, and I think that really becomes the X factor because Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, those guys are old. And to be quite honest with you, they're not the caliber of player that DeMarcus Cousins is. So, uh, to me, DeMarcus Cousins is the ultimate X factor. And Clay Thompson's, you know, hamstring, well, that's also an X factor in the series. All right, Nate, so. I'll take him in six. All right, Warriors in six. You heard it from Nate. So, if you're betting men out there and you want to listen to advice from a non-betting man, unless it's Notre Dame football, that's that's who you listen to. non-betting man. That's right. Noted non-betting man. All right, Nate, before we, we let you go here, Roger Goodell in the area, Buffalo Media gets to talk to him. Uh, he said some things about the stadium. What would you make of the comments, and what do you think about uh, potential Bills Stadium? What would you, you want to see if, you, if they do decide to build a brand-new facility? So I am actually currently at the Bison's game, right? And I'm looking at this open area of land that kind of sits behind the outfield towards the Fairmont Creamery and towards the casino. It's kind of behind it right now, right? And there's, they're talking about leveling those old Perry projects down. And in my opinion, right there is where a stadium should absolutely go. I've always sort of had this theory that they just need to bulldoze and pay the money that it's going to pay to get rid of the Bethlehem Steel plan. There's a current railroad track that goes from the city into that area. To me, there's already infrastructure to get people out of the – out of that area and not have to clutter it with, you know, 80,000 cars. And instead, people can park downtown. You can park in the south towns and have a train that brings people to and from the stadium. That's always been my thought process on it. Maybe I'm crazy. But what Roger Goodell said the other day, really, it, it's nothing different than what he said from really day one. The Pagoulas bought the Bills. The thing that I thought was interesting is he keeps talking about the Bills needing a stadium to stay competitive. And I just, I guess I don't really understand that point at all, um, to be quite honest, because they haven't, you know, I just, I don't really see why they need a stadium to remain competitive. They haven't been competitive with an old stadium. And I don't really know that a new stadium makes them any more competitive. And to be quite honest, I don't really think Roger Goodell has a very good understanding of this community and what people are and aren't willing to do. 
people are willing to spend some money on season tickets here in Buffalo. What they're not willing to do is buy seat licenses and pay, you know, what three times the amount they're paying right now for season tickets for a new stadium. So, like, those things, I don't think Roger Goodell has a very good pulse. Mark Polenkarts was on the station earlier in the week. That's a guy that has a great pulse in the city and understands the community and what people are and aren't willing to do for their sports team. And I'll tell you what people here aren't willing to do is watch a billionaire pair of owners sit back and only pay 35 to 40% of the stadium financing when the taxpayer is basically, you know, expected to pick up the tab. So, I, you know, what Roger Goodell said doesn't really shock me. It's he, he's in the business to make money, and the best way to make money is to have, you know, taxpayers pay for new stadiums. But here in this community, I, I just don't even see it as a viable option. They, they already just put millions of dollars into their new training facility, which is boasted as one of the best in the league now. So, in my opinion, the route to go that I think they'll end up taking is the same route the Chicago Bears took with uh, whatever their field is, Lincoln Field. I don't know what the Soldier Field is called. But Soldier, Soldier Field. Soldier Field, sorry. Soldier Field. And then who was the other one that did a full refurb? There was another big Kansas City. Arrowhead. Kansas City, right. So those are two historic stadiums. Not that, you know, New Era Field is some historic landmark that they need to preserve, but I do think at the end of the day, you put a couple, I don't know, you put – $100 million into that stadium and refurb it, and you pay for it as the owner, I think that's a much better route towards what the league wants and a more, um, I don't know, up-to-date stadium, I, I guess. But it, at the end of the day, I think they need to move it downtown. I just don't think they will. Nate, thank you. We were all over the place there, but you, you kept up, so I'm glad for that. Enjoy the rest of the Bison hey, game. You know, I, I, I got to get the, to the point eventually, which, you know, I can walk around the point a bunch, but you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm no Joe DiBiase, that's for sure. Hey, Nate, mm-hmm. I'll, see you, I'll see you on Saturday. You know what Saturday is? Uh, a little bit. Uh, it's the return of Jason Geary, the, the very, very, very long-awaited return. It's also the one-year anniversary to the day of my last day as host of the Nightcap. So we're going to have to have a Bye, celebration of uh, me no longer being around. Cheers wow. to that. By so you that, being is that around? Is why you're here this week? Is that no. why you're here? Like, you're... You're kind of relishing in, in your in your former fame. No, I'm trying to sell tickets to my 11 day power play fundraiser. To be completely <laughs> honest, here's, here's what I'll say, Ryan. Before I go, the fact that you were able to, to lock down a long term relationship without the status that you have, to be honest, it, it really it bodes well for all of us regular people everywhere. So, cheers, buddy. Cheers. I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Nate. All right, guys. So you're gonna celebrate? You're gonna celebrate not being here by being here. Yeah, weird concept. A, it's a I weird, know. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a weird little meta, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be here for not being here. So there's a report out there that a good young player in the NHL, I think is a good young player in the NHL, uh, is demanding a trade. I'm going to bring that up. He's got a connection to the Sabres, too. So we'll bring that up when we come back here on the Nightcap. Jody Biasi, Ryan Gates on a Mike Jafari Wednesday on WGR. Short segment here. So there is an NHL player... That has reportedly demanded a trade. Aaron Portsline is a Blue Jackets reporter. Reports that Jack Roslovich, who is a young player for the Winnipeg Jets, connection to the Sabres, he was used at, with the first round pick that Winnipeg got from Buffalo for Evander Kane. He is a Columbus native, has fired his Columbus-based agent, Ken Robinson, who's represented for more than six years. Roslovich asked Winnipeg for a trade at least once last season because of a lack of role-slash-playing time. 
25th overall in 2015. He only 24 points last year, but that was while averaging 9 minutes and 44 seconds a game. So if you look at points per 60 minutes played, he was actually really good. Um, and he's now his agent is now Claude Lemieux. What is Claude <laughs> Lemieux is an agent? That, that was that was like an afterthought to the story that I hadn't even gotten to. Because you know, you read the headline, you don't really go through the whole story. Well, there's Claude Lemieux sitting at the bottom. Do you think his negotiating tactic is just like going in and beating the crap out of people? <laughs> no, no, I think it's like kneeing them or hitting them from behind and then running off. Probably after. is that what he was as a player? Yeah, yeah, he was okay. a little cheap. I, I think that might be. Uh, there's some cheapness going on for sure. Hey, I whatever it takes. This is a player I would absolutely be interested in. We had. Who was it? Shopin the Bulldog had, I think, Matt Larkin on in the past few days who mentioned that Winnipeg could be a team that would look to trade for Ristolainen. They're going to lose Tyler Myers probably in free agency. Truba wants out of there, and those are their two best right-shot defensemen. Uh, they could be looking at a Ristolainen. And I don't know how you feel about Ristolainen as a trade target because he seems to be like all the talk about what you do in the offseason this year, other than sign Skinner. Is it's almost like O'Reilly last year. We got to a point where it was just all should they trade Ryan O'Reilly, and that's like right now. Like should they trade Rasmus Ristolainen? I don't want them to do it at all if it's for just picks and prospects. I, agree. I would maybe make an exception here though because I do really like this player. But like even then, I would have to think about it. Well, when I think you look at a player like this, it's a player that should be getting ready to enter what would be the prime. And I guess you could look at that. How old is he? He's got to be like, He's 22. Okay. So but he's, I mean, nowadays, I mean, your prime is 22 right. to 26. Exactly. So. so it's a player that's getting ready to enter his prime. I would be okay with that type of player, I think. Because that's a very high-end prospect in it's, my mind. Right. It's not picks where you're waiting three and a half years right. for them to potentially ever show up. So this player has already played in the NHL and maybe – I look at it from the Vegas model, and if he is a really successful player in like points per 60 and yep. things like that, where maybe he's a guy that just needs more opportunity as opposed, maybe that's he just wasn't getting the opportunity that he needed to flourish in Winnipeg, and then like Vegas giving William Carlson all this ice time, and all of a sudden he's an extremely productive player, maybe that's something that a player like Roslovic could mean needs. So right. that would be a player I'm interested in. With Ristolainen, I just got... I, I fear of the repeating like an O'Reilly mistake where yeah. it's I kind of just got sick of the guy, so now I want him gone because not that he's that bad. I think he's kind of bad, but I think if he... <laughs> that, that should matter. I think if he is in the right situation where he's a top four defenseman and not a top two defenseman, he could be good, but I still just generally think that he's still in his own defensive end kind of a mess and will always be. We'll expand on this a little bit when we come back, and I want to ask you about the stadium situation too in Goodell's comments. Uh, that'll be in hour number two. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, Ryan Gates, and Mike Jafari all here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 